Welcome to Emron's Podcast, episode number 127. This is your host, Suman Silwal. If you're still looking for a fall marathon, visit emrons.com to get 15% discount for seven bridges marathon, half marathon, and 5K. See you at Chattanooga. Enjoy the podcast. I'd like to welcome Greg McMillan and Matt Smith to Emron's Podcast. How are you doing, guys? Yeah. Great. Thanks for having Do- us. Yeah, doing really good. Thank you. Welcome to Emron's Podcast. Um, I've been trying to... I, mean, I talked to Matt a very long time ago, and we're trying to uh, arrange a podcast, and it's been so took so long to <laughs> get this uh, put, put you through. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and Greg, I saw you in the last uh, August race, and then since then I'm trying to find you, and then uh, finally I got your information, and then uh, we're here. So how's the running going for you guys? Um, everything's going really good for me. I got my um, acceptance letter yesterday from Boston, and that's what I'm training for at the moment. Just um, it was a long, long battle to get here, and glad to be here. Glad to be accepted. I'm excited about it, and got six months of um, some hard work in front of me. <laughs> yeah, I would. Uh, I think Gre- Greg's got the much harder task. I would say that my running's going well. Uh, in the process of going through um trying out a couple of different uh, blades at the moment and i'll be traveling to nashville actually tomorrow um to, to get up with this uh, with the amputee blade runner group and we're going to be hopefully working on some new setups for me to maybe make my running a little bit easier get some new equipment but as far as everything else goes running's been going well for me just uh, one day at a time man trying to get better every day definitely um uh, Greg, I was going to mention that. I was going to ask you w- whether you get accepted to Boston. I don't know the Boston process so different for everybody. So I'm excited for you. Yes, yeah, it was a, a journey to get here. Um, it, it is a hard process to go through. Um, it's a little bit different qualifying um, as an amputee. We have, of course, a little bit different qualifying times and different standards. But um, I'm just so thankful to be in it. I, I never thought I would be here again ever after losing my leg. Definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll get get to that. Uh, that's the main part of our interview. It's, uh, this podcast, try to learn about both of you or your, your journey to be, being a runner. So talk about that. Uh, Matt, you, you've been the young young runner. I think when I met you, you told me that you just started running. Tell us your running journey. How did you end up being a runner from the time you lost your legs to, to be, becoming a runner when I saw you? Okay. I'll rewind all the way back to um, high school. Uh, I went to a small private high school, and you could play all the sports as long as you could you know, pretty much walk. But I excelled the most at, uh, at, at cross-country track and soccer. Um, naturally, just was really good at running. In high school, my 5K times were low 16s. The fastest mile I ran in, it was 11th grade. I ran a 4-minute, 24-second mile. I was running really well. In fact, I actually ran so much right before college, I just got burned out. Uh, I kept getting stress fractures in my legs. And I had everybody telling me I needed to run in college. And being the young buck that I was, I decided I wasn't going to listen to anybody and I wasn't going to do it. And of course, now I regret it because I never, <laughs> I never ran. Um, so then, fast forward, I uh, I joined the Columbus Police Department in 2003. Uh, I worked there in 2008. I got hit by a drunk driver uh, head on in my patrol car. He, I ended up with a um, six screws and a titanium plate in my right ankle. So up until that point, I was still pretty much running. I wasn't doing a whole lot of necessarily races, but I still kept in shape and kept running. Um, and I, I could I could still, at any given time before then, if I wanted to just go out and run 10 miles, I'd go out and run 10 miles. Um, it was always really easy for me. After that accident, uh, I rehabbed for an entire year before I was able to get back to full duty. Um, running became a lot harder because uh, I had a lot of swelling and scar tissue in the ankle, plus all that hardware. And um, I realized that I'd probably taken running, you know, I had taken my ability for <laughs> to run for, for granted. So, uh, so I'm going to fast forward again. I was able to rehab it about as good as I could get. After that accident, I never really got past about five miles, um, four and a half, give or take, before it, my ankle would swell up so big that I just couldn't run. I ended up moving to Birmingham. I got a job with the Shelby County Sheriff's Office. Um, the most that I was running up before my accident, my other accident, um, was when I was on the when I was on their SWAT team 
Um, and I, I was able to run right about five miles, any like 40 minutes or five miles, whichever came first is when my ankle would swell up real bad, but I could do it really fast. I was running real, really, really good. Fast forward to 2017 was on my motorcycle, uh, just driving down 280. 19 year old on her cell phone pulled out in front of me when I was about 80 feet from the intersection. Um, my left, I almost avoided the car. It was really, really, really close. I went as hard as I could to the right. Uh, the front of my bike missed the rear bumper. My left uh, leg right above the ankle struck the bumper mm. and um, basically took my leg. It took my leg completely off. It was just hanging on by a couple threads there. Um, and so then thus begun, you know, another long rehab. It took me one less week to come back to full duty from losing my left leg below the knee on my left leg than it did when I had all that, uh, the, the titanium plate and six screws in my right ankle. Mm. So I say all that to say this. Lots of people heard about my accident. They called my wife and they're like, oh my gosh, is he okay? You know, she's like, yeah, please tell me it was his right leg. Cause my right leg was the one that got messed up in that drunk driving accident. Hmm. And of course it wasn't, it was my good leg. Um, so I was determined in the hospital that I, that I was determined that I was going to run again. And it didn't really matter that I had problems with my right leg. It didn't matter that I now had a, and, uh, uh, a prosthetic on my left leg i was gonna run and um so yeah it just began when i started running those races that i saw you at this summer i had finally gotten the running blade that was given to me set up to where i could run and um i had only run on it three times before that race so it was uh it was pretty liberating to to, to finally run again and be able to, to finish you know a 5k and with relatively no pain in my right leg um funny thing that happens when you don't have any option but to use your opposite leg for everything um it doesn't swell up like it used to still gives me a little bit of pain but but yeah anyway so that and i so my goal now is to work towards a 10k and then after i get that i'm going to work towards a half and then i'm after that i'm going to work towards towards a full marathon so one thing at a time i have to kind of go a little bit slower with my right ankle because it just it'll give me fit sometimes mm. um and i will say this i appreciate you letting me go first because greg's accident was way worse than mine <laughs> <laughs> not only that greg was a much better runner than me so i, I appreciate you letting me go first yeah. i wouldn't want to have to go after greg you know um, you've, you've been our our youngest <laughs> runner to our community uh you know greg already qualified for boston so he, his story goes gonna go long so so definitely yeah no, no. So, so, so so that's about where i'm at i, I am so the good thing is is that uh, greg got me in touch with the guys at the amputee blade runners and mm -hmm. uh, after filling out the forms and getting accepted i'm going to be heading up there tomorrow and hopefully starting a nice new journey towards better equipment and um probably better runs to be to be honest so it's it's exciting man I, i'm really i mean i am i'm gonna have trouble sleeping tonight that i'm so excited about driving to nashville tomorrow wow it, things are looking up yeah better days ahead of you absolutely matt's in for a, a life-changing experience tomorrow when he goes to amputee blade runners <clears throat> they are just an unbelievable organization i can't say enough about them um i would not no way be running today if it were not for Aaron Fitzsimmons, who started Amputee Blade Runners. They provide running blades free of charge um, to people like me and to people like Matt and yep. to tons of just little kids that just want to, they just want to run around the mm -hmm. playground. They just want to be normal kids. And insurance will not pay for a running blade. Nobody's insurance will. Oh, really? Nothing. Wow. Mm -hmm. and, and amputee blade runners provides them through their charity um, free of charge. Wow. I think Greg and Greg can tell you this. If you wanted to buy, if you wanted, even though I, and I have a much older blade than what uh, Greg has. If you wanted to get the setup that I have right now, you'd still have to shell out probably $25,000. Wow. And because insurance isn't going to cover it at all. No. So the, the amputee blade runners and, and Aaron Fitzsimmons and those guys, they do, they are, they, you know, they're, they're lifesavers for people like me and Greg that, that want a second chance, basically. I mean, and kids, it's, they do an invaluable service um, to the amputee community. It's, it's impressive. And Phil, let me say Phil Hour, who um, makes the uh, prosthetic right. blades. Yep. And my running, I mean, my uh, walking foot, they have provided just an enormous amount of resources. They have sent me many, many blades to uh, just test and get feedback on. And um, I've just had so many opportunities through their charitable gifts toward me. If it weren't for them, I wouldn't be running like this either.
Definitely. Uh, Greg, one other thing, uh, I know I have seen your stories in, uh, like like I said, last uh, couple of weeks ago was the first time when we talked. Uh, well, do we have more uh, of, uh, you know, Blade Runners here in the Birmingham area? Because you two are the only one in the distance races that I know. But do we have big community here in, around Birmingham area, or, or are we limited on that? I, I think we're pretty limited. I don't see very yeah. many other runners out there. I don't know if I've met anybody other than Matt that's really serious about running. Yep. I, I would like to, you know, see some more 5Ks and some more events where some amputees are running. Um, I, I would like personally to see how I stack up myself against other amputee runners i really just don't see a lot of them out there greg was the first one that that, that i had met i mean i was so surprised when when i got to the race there late and someone said hey th- there's another guy with a blade here and i was like what this is great because i never <laughs> i never i mean and it really just goes to show the major the overwhelming what is it 90 percent of amputees are are typically from diabetic uh, from diabetic or or their, or their medical things and most of those yeah. people end up being mostly sedentary and they're, and they're not running mm. so the the portion of the community that 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 are amputees that actually run is it's very 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 small so typically we're spread out everywhere i was really thankful that greg is in this area because i i had never met anybody i i didn't know that the equipment I had was probably not very good. Now, Dad, does it work? Sure, it works, and, and you can make anything work. Would it be better, and would it and would it allow my leg to 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 work a lot better and sweat less and and have more flexibility? Yeah, there's a lot more options out there. I had no idea until I met Greg. I had no idea that there was a whole bunch of other stuff out there. So, yeah, I'm sure that there are that there could be other amputees, and they're probably like me or Greg, where they've never met anybody else. Definitely. They just don't. Hopefully, our this podcast will help, help to uh, put that award out there in the community, saying, "Hey, you know." Um, so that that's a great, uh, great thing. I, mean, I didn't know. Greg, let's uh, tell us your story. Uh, I, like Matt said, and you mentioned <laughs> about your story a little bit earlier, pre-interview, but I have never heard of your story. So I was a lot like Matt in um, ran in high school, cross country, indoor track, outdoor track, year round. Um, just fell in love with it especially the the distance running and probably you know kept it up a few years after high school i think i'm probably like a lot of people when they get in their you know later 20s 30s or 40s and have a family and children you kind of get out of it maybe and then maybe you get back into running a little later after you get your your family gets a little bit older in my 40s i got back into it pretty heavy and i was um training myself and and you know running races and and running pretty steady until um october of 13 i was uh, plowing a field with a big farm tractor and um i plowed up a yellow jackets nest and they just swarmed me just it seemed like Mm -hmm. hundreds of them were in my face and in my hair down my shirt stinging me and i couldn't get away from them they were just following the tractor and i meant to knock the tractor in neutral and i didn't hit the shifter hard enough when i jumped off of it and the tractor was just running wide open down the field and i wished i would have let it go i wished i would have let it go but i ran up beside it went to try to knock it in neutral and that big back wheel just grabbed me and drove my femur bone through my pelvis snapped my hip joint completely off um when it all came to a rest the tractor was dead up against a tree running wide open um it couldn't go anywhere the tires were just spinning in the dirt but i was trapped underneath of it the uh disc that i had on the back of it was had my legs pinned down and it I don't know, probably weighs six, seven hundred pounds. So I was trapped in between the disc and the tractor. And on this particular tractor, the exhaust did not go straight up in the air. It came down under the rear axle and it was probably two feet away from me, just blowing wide open diesel exhaust on the back of my leg and on on my side, on my left side. And it burned me so severely that um, my leg wouldn't work anymore. It burned through the nerves, burned me pretty much to the bone. I spent two months in the UAB burn center and another four to five months in a hospital bed at home before I could ever um, even get a hip replacement. Um, I ended up getting two hip replacements, two total hip replacements on the left side, had, I think, seven deburment surgeries to remove all the burned and damaged tissue and muscle from my left side. My left hamstring and my left glute was pretty much removed. So um, I did not lose my leg at that point. I had my leg for about three years, 
three and a half years after the accident, but it didn't work. And no calf muscle, no ankle, no toes, no foot, no nothing, nothing worked. Now I knew I could never, ever be a runner again, ever. It was, I mean, I tried. I couldn't run 10 steps. When you got no push off, you're just not going to run. And I kept running into people that were just walking so much better than me. And um, so I decided one day um, to see a surgeon, possibility of having it amputated. And um, it didn't take me about a week to make up my mind. I thought, you know, if it doesn't work, there's no point in keeping it. So I had it amputated. And then I did the thing that they tell you not to do. I fell four times on my stump, busted it open, busted the stitches open. So it took me about eight months to get a prosthetic. I was working one day on the side of the road on crutches, and um, this guy rides by on a bicycle. His name was Jim Griffin, and um, I didn't pay him a whole lot of attention. And a few minutes later, he turned around, he rode back up in the driveway, and he got off his bicycle, and he was amputated. He was amputated, just like me. Same side, same amputation, same spot, and I just was staring at his prosthetic. I couldn't believe how well his prosthetic was moving, how well he was getting around. And I told him my story, told him I used to be a runner. I was trying to get back into that. And um, he listened to me and he finally said, you are never, ever, ever going to find what you're looking for in Birmingham. They just don't exist. He said, trust me, I have been to everybody. So he set me up with Aaron at um, Amputee Blade Runners. And when I called the next day, um, Aaron talked to me for probably 20 minutes, got me up there, got me on a good walking leg, told me when you come back next time, I'm going to have you a running blade. And he was true to his word. When I came, when I went back the next time, he had a running blade for me. I decided I, at that point, after laying in a bed um, for six months, and I was 205, 210 pounds, that I needed some help. Um, so I approached um, Alex at Resolute Running, sent him an email, asked him if he'd take me on and train me. Um, I told him, you know, my condition, and I told him if he would... If he'd take me on, I'd work hard and I'd do my part. So he put me in touch with Ann Stalvey, who is um, my current trainer. And Ann and I started working together. We actually, I met with Ann for um, about two months without a prosthetic. I would go in there on crutches and just get on the floor. And we'd just, we'd just do core work, just work on abs, hips, and um, just pure core strengthening. She told me up front if I did not have um, a core, like a piece of steel, that I was going to be injured constantly i'd never be a runner again so we just worked on the floor for about two months um while aaron got me set up for a blade got my running blade and the first time i ever went back over to resolute i ran across the floor at the gym which was only about 20 i don't know 20 yards maybe even less than that and and said oh yeah we're definitely gonna run a 5k so mm. that was in i think um maybe december um year before last and ran the first 5k at the rump shaker in march of 18 that was my first 5k proceeded on to the vulcan uh 10k and then a half marathon in florence later that year and just ran my first marathon went to minnesota and ran the grandma's marathon that was the boston qualifier and like I said, I got my acceptance letter yesterday from Boston. Amazing. Just amazing. What a great story. Yeah. Yeah. So so there's a million questions to ask. Uh, let's uh, start this conversation about running and all these things that you have to go through. And, and both of you can tell me how it is. Because as a runner, you know, we we go through our own set of pain, correct? Uh, but now you guys have to do deal with uh, not having uh, legs or having prosthetic legs. So tell us about how difficult it is for you to, you know, get out and run. Uh, Matt, I think are you still trying to get a proper equipment? Um, well, I've got good equipment. It's just, uh, I mean, like it, it's it works. There's just a lot better out there. It's it, imagine, imagine you having a a, a two thousand and two Honda Accord. Sure, it works, and it probably drives good every day. Does it drive as good as a two thousand and twenty Tahoe? No, probably not. And it won't have as many bells and whistles. It won't. Uh, it's not going to be smooth. There's just a lot better stuff out there. So I'm sure, like Greg, it, it's it's tough in the beginning. Um, typically, for me, when I first started running, <laughs> until your leg gets used to the pounding, it hurts. I mean, it does. And even now, when I run the first half mile or so, it always hurts, and I'm like, golly, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. And then all of a sudden, it just stops, and you just sort of it just sort of clicks, and everything goes. And um, you know, it's, 
I'm sure, and Greg, again, he's further along than me. And I think Greg, to his credit, was probably a much, much, much better runner than, than me before his accident. Um, he had probably trained a lot more for it. I was just sort of running just for just for kicks and to stay in shape. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would imagine he has the same thing. It's just sometimes it can be tough waking up in the morning. Things are stiff. And, man, if your leg's a little bit swollen, sometimes it doesn't fit in your prosthetic right. And, and uh, I mean, there can be – there can be all kind of little issues. If you don't take care of it, you can end up with blisters. If you get a blister, you can't do anything. If you get a blister on the end of your leg, you can't do anything um, until it heals. I mean, you're just going to have to stop doing stuff. You might even not be able to walk for a little bit. So I've dealt with a couple of ingrown hairs uh, last year that sidelined me for a good one time. I couldn't wear my leg for an entire week because it was so bad. So um, obviously you got to be real careful. You got to really take care of your leg and clean it and clean your and clean all of your liners and your equipment so i mean it, it does take a little bit of upkeep and it, and it keeps you honest honestly it's, it's going to keep you honest and make sure i don't know about greg but i know for me if i don't run at least every other day or every two days my leg hurts it hurts a lot more whenever i try and do it so it keeps me honest like it, it's going to it's going to make sure that it, that i keep running because you want like you want your leg to, to kind of stay used to to that feeling because it's a much different feeling running than it is to just walking around doing everyday stuff. So on this note, you know, uh, for a runner, we just, uh, you know, we get up and just wear socks and, and shoes and just just go out and run. Uh, for you uh, and Greg, uh, if you had to get prepared, how does the typical run for preparation for a run? Do you use the same prosthetic uh, uh, legs for running in normal day? Or is, it, is it a different things you do? I don't know how this works. Uh, well, I have two totally separate legs, one that I wear all day long for walking and in my job, and then I have a blade, which is um, I don't wear a shoe with, same as Matt. You just have a, a rubber sole on the, on the bottom of your blade, which makes contact with the ground. The hardest thing for me to get um, to ever get used to is it's very hard to get used to the blade. Um, it takes me a very long time. In, in the last 18 months, Aaron has probably made me um, a dozen legs. And I tell him every time, I say, Aaron, I can't go out here and run around the block a couple of times and tell you if it's good or not. I, I have to go home and run, uh, you know, many miles over the course of a couple of weeks. I have to put in, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14-mile runs over the course of several weeks before I know that it's right. And, um, and he's got me in one now that's just, as far as I'm concerned, is absolutely perfect. I'm just doing great in it. But it, it takes a long time to adjust to it. One of the worst things is the sweat is unbelievable. Mm. When you put an, I'm putting an eighth of an inch thick gel liner on my leg and you're, you just blocked every one of those sweat glands. I'm telling you, when I take my leg off, I can pour it out with a bucket. Wow. And I mean, it, it, and then, you know, when it gets so wet in there, you get friction issues. And I wear yes. a sock underneath those. So I put a sweat sock on my stump first, and then I put the gel liner on, and then I put my leg on. Of course, I've tried, you know, all kinds of antiperspirants. And I actually have an appointment with a doctor next week who thinks that she can get Botox approved by insurance, which, you know, Botox um, paralyzes your sweat glands. So that's going to be a huge, um, huge bonus huge, for huge. me if, yeah. um, if she's able to do that. And Matt's right. I mean, some days you just get up and just don't feel like it. I, um, after I ran the marathon, the Grandma's Marathon in June, I went through this, I don't know, this two-month-long just funk. I mean, I just did not want to run. I did not have motivation. I didn't want to I just didn't want to do it. If I had not had a trainer and I wasn't on Strava and I knew people were following me and watching me, I may have quit. I, I don't know. I, I just did not feel like Ann kept telling me that that was normal after a marathon and the heat was so bad and the humidity was so bad. Just to, you know, she reduced my, uh, my weekly mileage, but I kept running, you know, my four days a week at a reduced mileage a little bit reduced pace. And um, one morning I, I had a, I think I had an eight mile run on my schedule and the run just went really well and something just clicked. Like you just, I don't know, flipped the light switch and I was all fine again. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a normal running day for me. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I go through those ups and downs and picks and valleys. If I look at my training, some days I can go 60 mile, no problem in a week and then someday 30 miles it's a struggle so yeah yeah so, so, here's another thing that's different and it's different from amputee to amputee greg's leg probably sweats more than mine why i don't know it just does some people sweat more than others 
my leg initially sweat really bad. And I have a big, huge, long sleeve, hopefully, that we're going to be getting rid of. We're talking 90% of what's left of my leg, so middle of my calf all the way up to almost almost my groins. I have a long sleeve that covers everything. Um, now, I was fortunate. Initially, my legs sweat horribly in the beginning, and for some reason, it just kind of – the only time I start feeling a big accumulation of sweat is once I get around the four-mile mark. So that's where it would start becoming an issue for, like with me. So, you know, it's – I'm, I'm anxious to kind of so I'm, I'm or I'm, I'm excited that maybe Greg can see about if, if we can get Botox approved because if we can get it approved for his I'm sure I can work around getting it approved for mine but yeah sweats sweats an issue um, I haven't had the same motivation issues yet um, the, the, the only time that it, it becomes tough is if, if, if you hurt yourself I fell two months ago right after the second run uh, that, that, that you, the second here to beer run that, 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 that I saw you at, I fell, uh, on my leg, just about, about ready to go to bed. It was, I slipped off my little knee scooter and I fell directly on the end. Now how I didn't bust it open. I'll have no idea how I didn't break it. I still have no idea. I thought I for sure I had broken it. And that was tough because I couldn't run for, I think almost two weeks. And then of course, as soon as you go to run that first time, man, it's just pain all over again. It can be a daily struggle, but I think, uh, for the most part, just like Greg said, even if you don't feel like, man, get out there and do it, and, and you'll eventually, it, it'll just click. And man, when it, when, it, when it clicks and it feels good, there's there's not much like it. It's hard to explain to people who don't run. Matt touched on it. When you're a new runner, um, a new amputee runner, your your good leg takes a beating, a yeah. bad beating. I, when I first started off, I thought, well, I'm going to start at 45 seconds of running and 15 seconds of walking. I'm going to do the walk-run program. And that was way way too much i did that 45 seconds of running 15 walking i did it for i think 15 minutes um the next day my right my good leg hurt so bad i could not hardly walk i had to take 30 days off before i could even ever try to run again and where i where i ended up starting at was 10 seconds of running and 50 seconds of walking wow i had to i had to start at that slow to get built up to where I am now. I, I just never realized that my good leg was going to take that big a beating and, and be demanded that much work of. Yep. The, the other thing for new amputees, let's say that you've been walking around in, in your regular prosthetic and your walking leg, you're in it, you're in it nine, 90% of the time. Like for me, the only time I take it off is if I'm in the shower or I'm sleeping. So I have it on all day long, all day, every day. Well, when you go to run, there's a good chance because most people, they're what what regular folks don't realize is that the, the the prosthetics that most of us use, even though they're different, they do a lot of the work for us, right? Mm-hmm. So especially with some of these running blades, they do a lot of the work that that, that that your calf and your knee and and all parts of your hip and your lower back. So when you start running, those muscles are weakened. And mm-hmm. like for me, so so my good leg for for whatever reason, I didn't have as much problems with my good leg as I did. But my lower back gave me so many problems when I first started running. I mean, that's what held me up. Um, I had been working out and going to the gym, but I, you know, for me, I wasn't able to run right away because we, I had trouble getting my 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 running blade set up. And a lot of that was I wasn't going to a place like Amputee Blade Runners, which I'm obviously really excited to go to. But um, yeah, so Greg touched on that earlier, man. Working out, making sure that you have a strong core. Uh, for amputees, having a strong core is one of the best things that you can do. One, it helps you with balance. Two, it's going to help you, especially if you, if you want to run as an amputee, because you you have less to work with, a lot less. And yeah, it, it, the, the blades do help us, but they do a lot of the work for us. And, and so you have to make sure that the rest of yourself is taken care of. So talking about that, uh, good legs and, uh, and amputee legs, uh, tell us about how do you balance? You know, we talk about strides versus, you know, going you know, going on those strides, uh, do you have to balance those? I mean, you know, this this whole idea is so new to me, and uh, I've seen amputee runners sometimes they're they're pretty fast, and you know, and but you know, talking about matching your strides, uh, you know, balancing yourself, you know, things like that. How how difficult is that for you? I don't I don't know if this holds true with Matt, but I, I watch my um, statistics on Garmin very closely, and my stride length is very short compared to most people so i have to make it back up with cadence i mean you just you're only going to get your pace from two ways your your stride length and your cadence so when i I see a lot of people are running at a 
you know, 160-something cadence, one, you know, 75 maybe tops. I, I try to keep mine at least 180 when I'm racing. It's usually sure. over 190 or closer to 200. Really? My, wow. Yeah, I just can't keep my – I just can't get – because I, I've had two hip replacements and I've lost a lot of range of motion – range of motion in that hip i just can't get the stride length that other people can get so you got to make it back up somewhere so it's got to come from someplace yeah, that makes sense i would say and if, if you watched me and greg obviously greg's greg's injuries were, were way worse than mine he lost a lot of muscle his hip is greg isn't one of your hips higher than your other one yes it's um about an inch higher on the left so, side so Greg's stride and his cadence and his running gait looks entirely different than mine. I think if you, Greg, I don't know if you, you probably didn't even really get to see me run because you were so much faster than me. <laughs> Most people, when they watch me run, my, my gait looks about the normal as a normal, like it looks about the same as a normal runner. I think it's a little bit shorter um, than it used to be. But for the most part, uh, I would say my cadence when I run, uh, like when I ran in, uh, when I ran a faster time, as opposed to even when I run slower, it's around 170 to 175, my cadence is. So. Matt, I do remember yeah. when you come in through last time, and last three times, I think, uh, you yeah. look, for me, is you know, uh, it looked normal, you know, normal runner. You know, you look pretty fast and normal to me. I haven't seen uh, uh, Greg running as much as I have seen you uh, in yeah. the races, yeah. so. So. Now I've got a little, I've got a little jerk in my, in my stride, I guess you'd call it. <laughs> Well, I, I, yeah, I, I had a conversation with, with Greg, and I told him I could I didn't even understand how he was doing it because to me it looked it looked so. Of course, I didn't know I didn't know the extent of Greg's injuries, but I was like, man, I, I don't even know how you're doing that because I, I saw him running, and it to me it looked like he shouldn't even be able to run as fast as he was. And man, he was man, Greg is fast. He was flying. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I think I appreciate it, Matt. A lot of that has to do with um, getting the right equipment. You're heading to the right place tomorrow. Um, man, I can't uh, wait. That, that this will be a great story as as we move forward. Uh, you know, as you get better equipment, uh, Matt. Uh, hopefully, this will take you your running running journey further than whatever you have been able to achieve so far. So, yeah, I sure hope so. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't think there is anybody in Alabama or, or Birmingham, or I don't know, maybe even Alabama, who, um, from a prosthesis standpoint works with runners and that's what they do in nashville i mean they are always constantly trying to achieve trying to come up with something better for runners it's an ongoing continuous process they send me blades to test all the time just to give them feedback on i had um email conversations all day long today with um aaron at APT blade runners and with the engineering department at Phil Hour, we were discussing uh, mm -hmm. different blades and different um, feedbacks and different results on, on different blades. And it's just a, it's an ongoing development process constantly with those people. They, don't, they do not quit. That's a great, uh, great support that you have there, Greg. It's, it's incredible. So tell us about these blades, uh, this concept of blades. Uh, like I said, I have seen people wearing it. What are, what are they made out of? It's carbon fiber. Carbon fiber, okay. It's like a bicycle, yeah. so some of the bicycles are made with that different yes. fibers and stuff. It's it's a pretty lightweight or it's it's extremely light. Um I, I think mine weighs um I think it's around two and a half pounds. So um I don't know if you've ever done this, Matt, but you can actually look up and see how much weight you lost when you lost your leg. Have you ever done that? Um, no, I've not done that. It's about, it's about three and a half percent of your body weight. So for me, it's about six pounds. So I lost six pounds and I put about two, two and a half on with the blade. So I'm about three and a half, four pounds, um, lighter than I normally would be. But, mm. but yeah, you can look up those charts and see how much, um, oh, cool. weight yeah, you lost with, with a lower leg amputation. Hmm. Okay. On this um, this uh, blade, let's talk about one uh, because it's uh, pretty interesting for me to kind of un understand. Uh, do you have to replace this? Uh, what's the longevity on, on this, this blades and how <laughs> wear and tear? You know, you mentioned that a little bit, Greg, earlier. Talk I've to never us had about. I've never had one long enough to to know. <laughs> they keep sending me new ones to to try out. I mean, I just. I put a the last blade that I just had. I put 800 miles on. That was the longest I've had a blade, um, and now it started over two weeks ago with something else. But 
I've, I've had so many of them. I've never worn anything out. I don't know what it would take. They're very, very durable, if that's what you're asking. That's what, that's what um, I'm asking is yeah. how often you had to replace them. And for normal, well, you know, normal people, you know, if you had to do it, so... There's a there's a tread that they glue on the bottom of them that you know replaces the sole of your shoe. It's actually made by Michelin, and um, it, I, I had 800 miles on my last one. I think it was maybe about half wore out with 800 miles on, and that and that's really your only wear and tear. I don't know that the carbon fiber would would ever give out. I don't know what it would take to give out. It's well, extremely I would, durable. Obviously, I've never run on one long enough. Um, the old blade that I'm using now, I met somebody that had that, that's a runner out of uh, North Carolina, and she put 4,000 miles on her blade, and mm-hmm. she got a new one. She actually went to, to ABR to, to, to get a new one, and it's a new uh, fill hour just like um, Greg's using. Uh, but she put 4,000 miles on over 4,000 miles on that one, and she never re- replaced it. Now, I know that they will eventually wear out, but I know it just depends. So, some blades last longer than others. It just, I don't know. It just depends. Did she have a posterior mount or, or distal mount? Uh, initially, it was a distal mount, just like mine is now, and then she went to a posterior mount. Yeah. Um, so for those who might not know, distal mount is the blade's going to come straight off the very end of your stump. Um, posterior mount's going to be mounted to the backside where you're where your calf muscle would be. <clears throat> I prefer a posterior mount myself. Um, typically, posterior mounts are more for sprinters. It's up for much debate, really. Uh, there's a lot of testing going on in, in that area right now, but I, I just prefer, a, it, it feels like a more natural running gait to me to wear a, a posterior mount than it does a distal mount. Whenever uh, you, you wear and uh, run, run, run races and, you know, r- you know, training is fine, but doing the races, uh, what do you do, uh, Greg? You have you have done a marathon by now, and you're ready to go to run the Boston. What do you do? Uh, you know, like if you have any problems and difficulties. You know, have you ever had any issue? Even I guess you haven't done enough marathon, but have you had any issue in the middle of the run, or you know, where you, you know, you're so far out, but now you cannot do anything with it, or so those kind of struggle. We all runners. We all have a struggles. <laughs> but are you talking? Are you? Yeah. Are you talking specifically about the prosthetic? Or yeah, just the pros- issues the pro- in general. The prosthetic. And when you have problems with the prosthetic, what do you do? I mean, in a race, I have not had a single problem with the prosthetic other than sweat. And um, fortunately, um, at the Grandma's Marathon, it was it was fifty five degrees, so it really wasn't. I mean, it was it was soaking wet, but it wasn't like I was slipping out of the socket or anything. Um, I had severe calf cramps in the last five miles. It was it was brutal. I really I didn't think I was going to make the last five miles. From a prosthetic standpoint, um, I didn't have any problems. Um, you know, you're going to rub some blisters, like Matt said. That just comes. Um, you just got to put more miles in and just toughen it up, and eventually you won't have those. If I can interrupt you guys real quick, I just got a call from work. I am going to have to go. Uh, I am on call as an investigator, so I apologize, my my, my friends, but I am going to have to run. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for your time, Matt. Uh, great to have hey, you here, and yo, we'll, we'll keep in touch. And then when I release, I'll let you know. Thanks, thanks hey, for coming. Take care, man. Hey, hey, thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So Matt had to leave. Uh, uh, so we'll, we'll we'll just continue our interview. Uh, we we don't have a much uh, much left anyway. But but let's uh let's continue in this interview. Um, um so talking about uh, talking about your overall running um, as a runner yourself now. What are the what are the difficult part uh, difficult uh, you know s- situation? You we just talked a little bit talk about doing the races being an empty, but. But as an overall runner, with 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 having having uh, dis- disability or not having legs, uh, do you do you feel that you you are disadvantaged or or now you, you have found a way to get back on it? Uh, tell us uh, how does it how does it look from your end? Uh, for us, it's very motivational to see you out there, being out there. Uh, you know, you have no excuse, and I think I saw your sir saying no legs, no excuse. Uh, but but you're out there. Tell us about when you're you're in. What do you what do you feel? I don't feel disadvantaged, not one single bit. I'm actually faster now than I was before, if you can believe that. And mm-hmm. um, some people will actually look at it like you're cheating. <laughs> mm-hmm. But <laughs> I assure you, if it was um, if it was that advantageous, I'd cut off my other one, right? 
So it's a struggle, but I don't look at it as a disadvantage. I and, and I don't want to come across like I'm bragging, but I normally win my age group. I'm not here to say that I'm the best runner out here in Birmingham because there are some, I mean, I, I look at results from races and there are definitely people that are in my age group, which is 50 to 54, 55 that um, can beat me and beat me well. Um, it just depends on who shows up that day. Definitely. Yeah, uh, you, you know, you're a runner. It just depends on who shows up. There's people in the 55 to 60 age group that can beat me handily. But normally, I, I can normally place, you know, at least in my age group. So I, I don't feel at all disadvantaged. That's great. Uh, Greg, uh, whenever you race, uh, you know, or, or when you get ready for, for, for training, you had to put extra time and extra hours. Uh, so do you have to start? How does your normal, you know, training run look like? For give us some, give us some idea. How how do you train a racing look like? For you know, like I say, what I was telling earlier, we just for us, it's just we put a shoes on and just ready to go. I, I can tell you what a what a normal training week looks like. Um, as, as I said, I'm a, I'm a member of Resolute Running, and um, Ann is my trainer, and. I train four days a week. I run um, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Tuesday is at Resolute Running. Tuesday is always speed work for everybody, mm-hmm. and Saturday is always your long run for everybody. You know, it, it's the same for everybody. My week will look like um, anywhere from 30 miles a week up to maybe 40, um, 2, 43, 44 miles a week when we're getting close to um, training for marathons. So um, right right now we're, I'm kind of down a little bit. I'm, I'm building back up from the last marathon. Uh, my long runs are 14, I think, was last Saturday. Uh, this is a down week. We'll drop back down to just 10 miles on the long run this week, and then we'll start building again. The next three Saturdays will be a – probably be a 14 a 16 and an 18 and we'll start building back up mm. to that 20 mile mark but as far as races and getting ready for 5k's yes i, I get extremely nervous i'm very competitive <laughs> it, it, to me it's very serious i go out there to race and i go out there to race hard and i want to win every time and i want to have a pr every time and it's it, it's not reasonable i know it's not reasonable but that's just what I want, and that's and that's the way that I'll run. I want I want to have. A, of course, I don't get a PR every time. Obviously, nobody does. But you know, that's the great thing about running. It doesn't matter how old you are; you can always be competitive. You're competing every single time against yourself. You can always see if you can have a PR. Definitely. It doesn't matter if you're in your 50s or your 60s, or even if you're in your 60s and you're well past you know your your prime PR days. You can always say, well, can I have the the my best run of um when i was in my 60s you know or when i was 62 can i have the my pr and it's always like that you're always you're always achieving right? trying to achieve the next thing yeah i we have a friend uh, jimmy burns i wanted to throw his name he's he's 80 81 82 he's past 80 i mean he's a competitive i mean he goes he just recently ran six days uh <laughs> six days race i think he logged more than 250 miles so so he's always out there, uh, yeah. Did he do the endless mile last year? Yeah, he does endless mile too. Yeah, uh, he, yeah. He he's uh, he's a pro on on this uh, small circuit races. So he goes around the world now. What is your future like for you? I know you you you're headed to Boston uh, in April, but are you going to continue running a marathon, or you're going to stick to the lesser distance, or uh, what's the future of running for you look like? Well, Boston's always been my dream and my goal, and I always wanted to get there. I just wanted to experience it. Um, after that happens, I, I really don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'll pursue it again. I don't know if I'll pursue any longer distances. My um, 5Ks are my favorite. I, I, I would really rather concentrate on 5K speed. I want to break. Um, I want to break the 20-minute mark as a as a amputee um, in my 50s and be below 20-minute uh, 5K. So that's kind of my goal for the future. When um, when we're done training for Boston, I've let Ann know that, and we're going to start really, really concentrating on a lot of strength work and a lot of um, speed work to to try to get there. A lot of time, people will whenever whenever some of my friends they try to settle from marathon, they go to half a marathon. Uh, so you know, five marathon, five k to half marathon distance. You know, 
it's a lot less training and for distance wise you can still put a speed but uh, distance wise a lot less right you know commitment is a lot less too it's you know, so time wise so so I have one one other question I was I was you know as ultra runner and I have to ask you that this question on your running community I know you're not but in, in your running community the com- community that you're exposed to do we have any amputee ultra runners distance runner beyond marathon uh, do you know anybody? I do not know of anybody. Um, I think Ann has a friend who is an ultra runner. Um, I'm going to participate in um, the Ragnar Relay from Chattanooga to Nashville in November, which is almost a 200-mile relay race. Um, and, and we've got some you know, good runners on that team. Um, I don't know if any of them are ultras, and I don't know of any other ultra runners. And I mean, I mean, who knows? After Boston, I might change my mind and decide I want to be an ultra runner. You know how runners are. We change our mind all the time. We want yes. to do something one day and, and tomorrow something else. Uh, tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so, I'm, I'm yeah, we're flaky. Over. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I was wondering, you know, how does it look like in a trail, trail running with a amputee leg, you know, all, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult as is. I've never gotten off road. I, to be honest with you, I'm afraid of it. Um, yeah. I just, I, I, I've got su- such a limited range of motion in my hip. I can't, I don't really pick my left leg up high mm-hmm. enough and I'm afraid I'm going to trip over a root or a rock and, and, and get injured. And th- then I'll be off for months and there goes my, you know, all my training and everything for Boston. So I, I'm really afraid of it. I, I stay on the sidewalks and on the pavement, and I do not get off road. I, I wish I could. I, I probably really would enjoy it. Um, I, I've got some friends that are doing, you know, 50 mile trail races, and um, it, you know, it looks like a lot of fun. But I, I just don't think I could manage it in my condition. Yeah, definitely. I was, I was wondering if, if uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be great to find if if we have anybody out there who's an ultra runner. So if you ever come across. Uh, do let me know. Greg, uh, we talked so much different aspect of uh, running, your running journey, m- Matt's running journey. Uh, do you have any uh, any message out, out there in the community? Because you and Matt is uh, one of the kind for us here in the Birmingham area. We'd be great to have you. Sure I do. I, I love to help other amputees. I, I, I very seldom ever even walk by another amputee without at least stopping to speak to them and ask them how they're doing, how their legs fitting. Uh, if we, if you have any amputees that happen to hear this podcast and they're interested in, in some running experience or, or starting to get out and get some exercise and start running, uh, I'd be more than happy to help them, put them in, um, you know, set them on that pathway and get them started. I, I love helping people do that. Um, it's a, it's a real life changer to be able to get out and, you know, accomplish things like that. How, how can they, do you have a Facebook page or, you know, where people can get access to you? Um, I do not have a Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> email address, maybe. Yeah, email. Um, I am. Um, I'm not very uh, social media savvy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, they, they can. They can certainly um, contact me through email or through Resolute Running. Um, amputee Blade Runners absolutely can help them or put them in touch with me. Um, they're, 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 they can. They can get in touch with me. Definitely. Yeah. So, so listener, if you if you if you know anybody, or if you if you if you want to, you know, if you're an amputee runner, amputee, and want to be a runner, do do get in contact with the Greg. Greg, you you mentioned earlier about uh, a five k a five k that that's going to support an amputee blood runner. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, um, October fifth in Sullivan, Alabama. If there's um there's a five k to benefit amputee blade runners that's being put on by the family of Aiden Woods. Aiden is a um, little boy. Um, he was six years old when he lost his leg um, just a few months ago in a four-wheeler accident, lost his leg above knee. Uh, his family's putting on this this run to support amputee blade runners. They're really trying to get uh, as many amputees out there to come and run as they can. Matt and I are both going out there to run it. Uh, if there's anybody out there is, uh, listening, you're an amputee, no matter what your ability, your speed, if you want to walk it or whatever, it'd be great to have you come out there and support Aiden. We just want to get out there and, and show this little boy what, what can be accomplished and that he can do anything <clears throat> that he wants to in his life. His life's not over. He can be whatever he wants to be. Definitely. It sounds like a great charity, great, great race. Sounds like both of you going to be there. 
uh, if you're if you're our listeners, if you want to support the charity and uh, support the cause as well, uh, you you should go and and run with uh, Matt and Greg and and also show your support. And um, I'll I'll put a link to to the race. Yeah, and if event. you if you want to look it up, it's actually called the Appendix Cancer 5K because that's what it's been called for years. But this year, uh, Aiden's family is is uh, supporting amputee blade runners with it. It sounds it sounds like great charity. Uh, I'll put a link with with this podcast also on the on the marathon runs. So great, great. Before we close this interview, um, I would like you to to give us a word of advice to never to give up running with ability or disability that we all have in certain ways. Just continue running and achieve that bigger goal. Give give us a word of words of advice. Well, absolutely. You you just said it. You just you can't ever give up. There's going to be days you experience them. I experienced them. I went through two months of it where I just didn't want to run. I would wake up in the morning and I would think, oh my gosh, today's a run day. I just do not want to do it. But you just you can't give up. And and runners know if you get up and you do your run in the morning, even if you don't want to, you're going to have a better rest of the day. You're just going to feel better the rest of the day. So it's you know you're normally going to feel that in the first five minutes of your run. You're just going to feel better and be glad you got out the door and do it. So. Um, my best advice I can give is just to, um, not give up, to keep on getting out there and hitting it every day. Um, if, if you don't have a trainer that has helped me tremendously just to, um, be accountable to somebody because there's a lot of days I probably would not have gotten up and done it, but I know somebody's watching to see if I did it. So it's been a huge, huge deal to me to have a trainer, um, somebody that, that showed me the importance of, uh, strength training. Um, the importance of uh, consistency of being of, of doing speed work once a week, of doing that long run once a week, of taking a uh, taking a down week every three weeks. To ha- um, I didn't know these things when I was training myself, um, and it's just that's been huge. It's been a very big part of it. The resolute running has been very significant to me. Yes, yeah, they have been really huge positive. Help. Yeah, huge help to you. I can tell uh, you're such a appreciative of whatever. Resolute running has done to you and your running, and you know, given given a hope. I think um, that's also that's a great story. Resolute running, so well, and Ann and Alex and everybody there at the Resolute Running, the friends of yeah. Um, if you can't if you can't run across the room, they'll they'll get you to a five k and and beyond that to wherever you want to go. <laughs> Just it's it's up to you how far you want to go. They'll get you there. Yeah, definitely. So so thank thanks for your time. Uh, it's great pleasure to connect with you and uh, listen to your stories. Hopefully our listeners uh, enjoy listening or got motivated and uh, go out and run. No excuse running. So that's what I call it. So <laughs> That's right. No excuses. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, we, we can find millions of reasons for, for, for you. You had a one less reason not to, not to run. Now you found in a million reasons to run. So, and you're still out there. So Thanks for being such such inspiration out there and being in our community, and um, and looking forward to hearing your Boston Boston training, Boston Marathon, and and so many so many things in a future of running for you. And so excited for that. Yes, thank you for the opportunity of having me on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emrun's podcast. Please visit emruns.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, get race photos, get discount codes, and more.